1: Regina, and welcome to Prime Time. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but Joe Biden is actually going to take questions from the press, or so he says. Now, it won't be today, and it won't be tomorrow, but next week, actually a week from tomorrow, which is really odd if you think about it, because if he can talk to the press eight days from now, why can't he just walk out of the Oval Office, around the corner, down the hallway to the press briefing room where the press sits every single day? I mean, why keep putting it off? It's like he's doing debate prep for the next eight days just so he can have one single press conference. Now, I've seen some prominent Democrats on Twitter defending Biden's avoidance of the press, but now even the media is covering for him. ABC's correspondent Jonathan Carl appeared on The View and said Joe Biden is actually being really smart by avoiding the press. Watch.
3: Well, it's all about turning the temperature way the heck down, uh, Megan. I mean... Uh, you know, Joe Biden doesn't feel like he needs to be out there dominating the news every day. Uh, he's not out there picking uh, fights with uh, with with Republicans. He's not there picking fights with 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 the press. Uh, I, you know, I think that the, the, the lack of press conferences uh, is because he he, he doesn't want to be dominating the news right now. He wants to get back to a a, a new sense of normal, uh, where the the chaos and the crisis and the drama in the West Wing of of, of the White House isn't. Dominating dominating the world's attention.
1: But starting eight days from now, Biden isn't going to avoid the press anymore, he says. So to get warmed up for his press conference that is on the books for next Thursday, he sat down with Bill and Hillary Clinton's former right-hand guy, who is, you'll remember, masquerading as a journalist, George Steffi Stephanopoulos. And Stephanopoulos asked him some hard-hitting questions like this one.
0: You probably walked into the Oval Office as president with about as much experience, if not more experience, than any other president who's ever served. More than three decades in the Senate, eight years as vice president. So what is it about the job that surprised you that even you didn't know?
1: And he also asked questions like this one about his dog biting someone in the White House.
2: Major out of the doghouse? Yeah, man. <laughs> the answer is yes.
1: Stephanopoulos did ask Biden about Cuomo, not about the nursing home deaths, though. He just asked about the women making accusations. And, of course, Biden wouldn't take a stand on the issue. He just said he wanted to wait to see how it turned out. And that's what passes for leadership these days. But Biden did say something very odd when he was asked about Cuomo. Let's see if you can spot it. Listen to this.
2: By the way, it may very well be. There could be a criminal prosecution that is attached to it. I just don't know. But let the investigation, and I'm not, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I started with the presumption. It takes a lot of courage for women to come forward. Some are not, anyway, it takes a lot of courage to come forward. So the presumption is it should be taken seriously, and it should be investigated, and that's what's underway now. Now
1: there, Biden almost committed perhaps the worst gaffe of his whole entire life in that moment. But he did stop himself. Let's watch again. You try to decipher what he was actually trying to say here.
2: Let the investigate, and I'm not, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I started with the presumption. It takes a lot of courage for women to come forward. Some are not, anyway, it takes a lot of courage to come forward.
1: It takes a lot of courage for women to come forward, he said. Some are not, uh, 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 anyway, some are not what exactly, Mr. Biden? Was he about to say that some women are not telling the truth or some women are not to be believed or some women are not good people or some women are not real victims? What was it, Mr. Biden? Of course, Stephanopoulos didn't press him at all. He didn't press him on anything. But it might not be that easy in the press conference that is supposed to happen in eight days. So Biden and his handlers had better reconsider holding that press conference. If this was the warm up, Stephanopoulos did ask Biden about the border crisis. Of course, he didn't call it a crisis, but this is how that went.
0: Because you promised to make things better. It seems to be getting worse by the day. Was it a mistake not to anticipate this surge? Well, first of all,
2: there was a surge the last two years and 19 and 20, there was a surge as well. This one might be worse. No. Well, it could be, but here's the deal. We're sending back people to, for, for, first of all, the idea that Joe Biden said, come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do they're what They're this. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes. I can say quite clearly, don't come, and what we're in the process of getting set up. Don't leave your town or city or community.
1: All right, well, let's head around America to our host and correspondents on the ground where all of the action is happening. And I want to start in Denver, Colorado, tonight with Jessica Rivera, who always has something great waiting for us there. Jessica, what do you have for us today?
4: Well, Dr. Gina, here in Colorado, Governor Jared Polis is supporting a newly introduced bill by state lawmakers that claims to address, quote, disproportionate discipline of black students versus whites or Hispanics. The bill states it is needed to stop the quote unquote, the school to prison pipeline black students face in Colorado public schools. Uh, So I started digging and here is the layman's explanation of what this bill actually says. The bill allows students all the way up to high school to have immunity from being given a ticket, a summons, being handcuffed or arrested by a campus resource officer or any police officer for that matter while committing a petty offense or misdemeanor as long as a student commits the offense on campus property such as the campus itself or a bus. uh, This also includes any school sanctioned events like dances or sporting events. In the state of Colorado, there are many crimes considered petty offenses or misdemeanors, but I'm gonna mention the misdemeanors that jump out to me as the most dangerous should this bill pass. We're gonna pull those up. There are misdemeanors like theft less than $300, breaking into a car, Property damage, less than $1,000. Harassment, physically fighting, third degree assault, which could be pointing a gun or a weapon at a teacher or student, and or indecent exposure, exposing genitals to a teacher or classmate for sexual gratification. Dr. Gina, any of these crimes that I just mentioned on that list would be allowed on any Colorado public school property should this bill pass as is without the authorities having to be involved. It leaves the discretion up to the school. And Colorado Democrat governor, our governor here, Jared Polis, sees nothing wrong with this bill and is in full support of it.
1: Jessica, are bills like this uh, on the books in other states? Well, see, this
4: is the thing. So I think there was a couple other Democrat states that tried to, I guess you could say, shop this around. It hasn't really panned out for any of them. But it doesn't say that the more and more they push and the more and more they learn how to get their wording correct in these bills, that they can't possibly get it passed. So people really need to pay attention because if you do have a Democrat-run you know, run state, if this does pass here in Colorado, it's on its way to your state and could possibly be affecting your kids, your grandkids, your nephews, nieces. Um, so that's why it's very important And uh, we'll just have to stay on top of it. And like I always do, I'll keep you posted uh, on the latest if this bill does eventually pass.
1: Thank you so much, Jessica. You're welcome. Let's head out to Sophie Mann in Washington, D.C. And Sophie has a Cuomo update for us today. Go ahead, Sophie.
5: Hey, Dr. G. So I want to come live to you right now to give you an update on Andrew Cuomo, all things Cuomo, I've really been trying to keep our viewers informed about everything that's happening with the Empire State Governor, my home state governor, and his scandal on two fronts. So last night during an interview, Joe Biden finally spoke out about his reaction to the governor's turmoils. What he said was that if the investigation yields any sort of definitive evidence that Governor Cuomo did do some of the things to these women and to his staff that he's being accused of doing, he should resign. But the other thing that Biden said was that he thinks that Cuomo will likely face prosecution uh, from, the attorneys, from the attorney general and some of these women. So I think that he is sort of confirming a lot of what we've seen from the greater Democratic establishment, which is that Cuomo is in hot water and that water is not cooling down anytime soon. Another reason that we know that is that actually the attorney who is representing Charlotte Bennett, the 25-year-old former aide to the governor, who was one of the first women to speak out publicly about um, about her allegations about Cuomo. So the attorney who's representing her is a woman named Deborah Katz. Deborah Katz is also known for having represented Christine, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford in 2018 when all of the accusations about Justice Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh, were coming to light and becoming a mass news story as they played out in front of the Senate. So, I mean, if Cuomo felt at all like this story might be going away, this powerhouse legal team that is very media savvy and really has the Democratic establishment in her back pocket is at the helm here, and I think that uh, he might, he might want to reconsider just trying to ride this out, um, hoping that it goes away. We'll keep you updated, of course, as this story continues to play out.
1: Thanks so much, Sophie. And now we have an update on the Newsom recall from our west coast correspondent amanda head amanda good to see you good to see you thanks for having me on amanda today's a big day in this recall process tell us why
6: yes yeah, so today was the official deadline march 17th for 1.5 million signatures we have surpassed the two million mark as we have discussed extensively on this program they were seeking 1.8 to 1.9 million to allow for signatures that would be thrown out Uh, if you will remember that we have about a 15 to 17 percent trash margin is what i call it these are the signatures that they scrutinize and they deem them to be invalid now remember just four months ago gavin newsom refused to acknowledge the need for any type of signature verification in the presidential election but i'll leave that alone We have some new numbers regarding the percentage makeup uh, per Democrat or per uh, political party with respect to the support for this. So what we have determined is that 40% of the recall signatures, roughly 800,000 of the little over 2 million signatures are from registered Democrats. But here's what's interesting, Gina, you know, I live in Los Angeles in LA County. So they collected 146,507 signatures. Of those broken down by party, 52.45% are Democrat, 2495 are unaffiliated, and only 17.15% are Republican. Now, the reason that, that that number seems very low is because of registered Republicans. Obviously, that number is much smaller here than it is in some of the redder areas in California. But Gavin Newsom has finally Uh, acknowledge this recall effort he has laughed it off all along but he finally admitted in a media interview that he is a little bit worried about it and we know that he's worried about it because he's trying to paint this as a right wing right wing opposition to the Browning of California because everything's racist, right? Ah. When it comes to the left and they don't like what's happening, it's got to have to do with race. So he claims that this is a right wing effort, but someone uh, should get these numbers in front of him because then uh, he might realize that it's not just
1: Republicans and right wingers who want him out of office. Wow, that is amazing, Amanda. That really is. Those numbers, very, very telling. Uh, Any predictions? We've got to get our you-know-what together when it comes to getting
6: behind one formidable candidate. We've got four folks who are are juggling the idea. You and I both spoke to Rick Grinnell at CPAC, and he kind of mulled over the idea of throwing his name in. John Cox, who was the establishment candidate in 2018. Travis Allen, who was the MAGA candidate in 2018. Um, Former San Diego Mayor, Mayor Kevin Falconer, and now former Republican Congressman Doug Ose. So we've got quite a few people, but we've got to rally behind one because Democrats in the state are going those who oppose the recall are going to back Gavin Newsom. So we've got to rally behind one candidate and one candidate only.
1: Well if Rick Grinnell would hop in there it would be game over, I think. Oh yeah. It's, oh I, I yeah, absolutely. That he wish that he would do that. But I understand that he may have his sights set on who knows what. But anyway, Amanda, thank you so much for updating us on all of that and for keeping us posted on this. Absolutely. I'll keep you posted with updates. Thank you, Dr. G. And we did our green together. And so happy St. Patrick's Day to you also. <laughs> <laughs> Same to you. Don't pinch <laughs> <All right>. me. <laughs> That's right. Nobody can because we're armed with our green. All right. Coming up, Texas Congressman Louie Gohmert. He's going to tell us what can be done to stop this border crisis. And the answer is not easy, but we have it for you. And it's up next right here on Dr. Gino Prime Stay here. Now, Axios is reporting tonight that four people on the FBI's terrorist screening database have been arrested at the southern border since the beginning of October. Three from Yemen and one from Serbia. We don't know any more about these terrorists, but we know they are bad enough that the FBI was on the lookout for them as they crossed the border. And over in the House of Representatives today, the House Homeland Security Committee held a virtual hearing with the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and the top concern from Republicans on that committee was about the border crisis. Congressman John Katko asked the secretary whether he would call it a crisis. Here was his response.
3: If you agree with the facts we, that we set out, and I appreciate your, your candor, and you said earlier in your testimony that the situation at the border is undoubtedly difficult. Well, given the, 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 the tremendous rise and surge of individuals coming to the border, wouldn't it be fair to call it a crisis because that's what your agents are calling it?
0: Um, Mr. Ranking Member, um, first of all, if, if I may, I didn't necessarily agree with all the, stat, the statistics uh, that you cited. Um, Mr. Ranking Member, uh, I'm not spending any time on the language that we use. Uh, I am spending time on uh, operational uh, response uh, to the situation
3: at the border. Okay, I just two quick questions, Mr. Chairman. That, I, I know I'm almost done That's here. what I'm focused on.
1: Well, maybe my next guest will be concerned whether or not it's called a crisis. Here with me now to discuss Congressman Louie Gohmert. Congressman, good to see you. Great having you with us tonight. Uh, Congressman, you you and your colleagues in the House Freedom Caucus are working hard to counter the Biden administration's efforts to throw open our borders. But what exactly can you do in the situation that you're in?
7: Well, we can uh, shed light on the, uh, the fact that there is a crisis at our southern border and people are suffering immeasurably, irreparably. And uh, when the American people become woke enough to realize how much damage is being done to this country. And, and Gina, you know also to these victims that are being lured through thousands of miles. Uh, and you know, one estimate in previous years was that at least 25% of the girls or young women are raped on the way, sometimes multiple times. Uh, and so many of them get pulled into sex trafficking. Uh, it is just incredible that people are playing word games. And for Mallorcas to say, he doesn't spend any time on thinking about the language. Well, he has spent an extraordinary amount of time trying to figure out ways not to say that what's happening on our southern border is not a, a crisis. He's looking for ways not to use the crisis word. So he's spending far more time thinking about language than you or most anybody talking about it because he's trying to find synonyms are lesser synonyms to crisis when there truly is. And the best thing, the most compassionate thing that an American, and especially the president, could do for the victims of all the suffering that goes on in transit, and for some of the little kids, it's going to haunt them the rest of their lives, some of the things they experience, but the most compassionate is secure the border and that will dry up the tens of billions of dollars every year, maybe over 100 billion we told uh, of of money the drug cartels make. They're the ones that have such control over Mexico. They terrorize not only the people but the police and mayors. You know, we had a mayor with a Head on a spike, police, if you dare to stand up against them because you're an honorable and honest policeman, you're going to end up uh, tortured, head on a pike. It's happened numerous times. So it, it is outrageous. And I look at Mexico and, and countries further south, they've got natural resources. They have got a grand location in the world between the Pacific and, and Atlantic with the Gulf in there. Uh, just an, an extraordinary people, hard working yeah. people, there's no reason that Mexico could not be one of the top 10 economies in the world if we got rid of the drug cartels. That's the yeah. corruption and and Gina anytime you hear a Mexican official, government official say they don't want the border secure, then they're either insane or they're in the pocket of the drug cartels because any sane person in Mexico that wants what's best for the Mexican people, it's not to be victimized in tragic ways on the way to America. It's to get their country wrestled back from the drug cartels. So Mayorkas, uh, he may actually be that naive and that out of touch with what's going on and looking the other way as these tragedies unfold but they're going on and it is a crisis of course i know you're aware he said the the only thing he said was a real crisis was climate change yeah and i was hearing yeah. a briefing earlier this morning it turns out uh, our uh, the ice at our polar regions are melting and significantly melting, and of course I'm talking about the polar ice caps on Mars, the Mars polar ice caps are melting. So it's been rather difficult for scientists here to figure out just how much pollution from America, just how much uh, greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide, water vapor, just how much of that on Earth is causing the polar ice caps on Mars to melt. (laughs) Uh, that's but yeah. uh, but Gina it's going on so anyway it's a crisis because Mayorkas and Biden said climate change is a is a, uh, a well, crisis it, and tr- it's it,
1: yeah and the truth about that congressman is if they're so worried about the environment they'd be much more worried about the crisis at the border that contributes so much to uh, the environmental pollution I lived there congressman and I know about the environmental pollution that is dumped in the uh, right there at the in Tijuana uh, and I lived through closed beaches all the time and a stench that would blow your mind uh, because of the dumping that is done because the cartels control all of the major industry there and they continue to dump and by the way they cut deals with the American politicians across the across the border uh, on our side um, by giving them nice, luxe condos and things on the Mexican side um, to vacation in so that they keep their mouths shut and don't make any problems about it. And this is all known facts uh, when you live there, this the kind of things that go on there. Um, but I want to get to uh, what they're really protecting here. And What they're really protecting here is a really do-nothing um, houseplant uh, president that uh, refuses to admit there's a problem because I don't think that this administration, quite frankly, knows or cares to do much about it. Um, I want to refer to an interview that happened with George Stephanopoulos, and I want your interpretation on what the heck this uh, so-called president was trying to say uh, about the the border crisis here.
0: Because you promised to make things better. It seems to be getting worse by the day. Was it a mistake not to anticipate
2: this surge? Well, first of all, there was a surge the last two years, and 19 and 20, there was a surge as well. This I'm, one might be worse. No, well, it could be. But here's the deal. We're sending back people to, for, for, first of all, the idea that Joe Biden said, come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy, and I won't do they're what you are this. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up. Don't leave your town or city or community.
1: What does he mean by in the process of getting set up, Congressman?
7: Well, he's explaining that we're getting some wonderful facilities ready for tens of thousands, millions of people to come pouring into the U.S. So wait till we get all of those facilities ready. Well, that sends a message itself that you don't want to wait until all these things are full uh, and be at the end of the line. Let's get there now and get ahead of the line. It, it still sends the same message and he may not, he may just be so dense he's not aware of it. Uh, but it is calling for victims of some of the worst, horrific uh, crimes against humanity sex trafficking, human trafficking. Some people don't make it, they die at being trafficked through. Uh, but it is incredible. And in fact, you know, the way you set this up, Gina, it, uh, it's quite a juxtaposition, you know, It <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, a siesta going on all over Mexico with the drug cartels, they are working, pushing day and night, nonstop, sending people across the border, sending drugs across the border, including fentanyl sending people across the border that they're gonna use in sex trafficking. It's just relentless. While at the end of Pennsylvania Avenue here in Washington, you have the sleeper in chief taking a siesta. So, I mean, we've got the roles reversed here. Um, While he's having a wonderful siesta, I don't know how many times during the day, but they're just relentless and people are suffering. They're being brutalized. Um, The things that are being found in the wake of these drug cartels, the gangs that the drug cartels hire uh, as well as individual coyotes to bring people across, it's just crazy. And I I heard somebody from the White House saying that, uh, or from DHS, I guess, you know, we, Keep these children at these facilities until you know their sponsor, a parent, comes and claims them. Well, they raised cane that the Trump administration was doing DNA testing to make sure this wasn't a sex trafficker that was the right. sponsor that was trying to claim uh, the child and they raise, oh, that's horrific, you know, give them, just give them, get them to that sponsor, don't wait, it may be their parent, give them to them, when actually it sounds like this is happening so quickly, they're not doing the kind of hard work the Trump administration did to protect the children, and again, the, uh, the uh, board patrol it told me numerous times uh, down on the board, look, the drug cartels call us their logistics. And I said, like the commercial, they said, right. The drug cartels get people across the border and they give them addresses. Here's the name of your spouse, your parent, your sponsor. Here's the address where we're gonna have you selling drugs and working off the rest of the money you owe us. And then they get them across the border and the U.S. taxpayer then pays
1: That's right. to have
7: these folks shipped all over the country wherever the drug cartel needs them.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, um, as you know, we've been doing massive investigations on this. We've had our own Ben Burkwam over there doing specials called Ben on the Border he's seen all of this up close and personal I want to make sure people know we'll be rerunning those specials this weekend again Ben on the border I want to make sure, sure people watch for those because sure. he's seen all the evidence congressman uh, with disgusting uh, caves full of you just don't even want to know what uh, which is evidence of these rapes and abuses and human trafficking well, and all of the things yeah. uh, that nobody else is showing frankly on on uh, yeah. in any other uh, platform so, Congressman, thank you so much for being with us. I wanted to get to this Violence Against Women's Act, but I know you've got to run and vote, so let's have you back soon so you can tell us about this uh, even even also disgusting uh, situation that is coming up. Um, And I know you've got to go vote on that. We want to make sure your vote gets in on that. So thanks for being with us tonight. Thank
7: thank you, Gina. Thank you so much. Thanks for caring as much as you do.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you always. Coming up. John Solomon just broke a huge story at Just The News, and he's up next with all the details. More Dr. Gina Prime Time coming at you. Don't don't miss it.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. One of the wildest news stories I've ever read was just released today by our own John Solomon. Here at Just the News, the headline reads like this. Convicted Democratic fundraiser had secret ties to U.S. intelligence. Ahmad Zubairi's career took fateful turn after he ter- told prosecutors that he couldn't help federal probe into Trump. Now, this story has some of the wildest twists and turns in it. It is the makings of a novel. If it weren't posted at <laughs> justthenews.com, I would honestly that it was fiction here to go through this story with us is the founder of just the news himself john solomon john thank you so much for your hard work on this and so many stories i had you here last night i said when you told me about this story i said well you know that means i'm gonna have to have you back (laughs) and you graciously accepted thank you thank you so so much john first tell us how this man ahmad zabari ended up in the presence of some of the top politicians in our country
8: oh yeah this this guy was prolific he was known from the west coast to the east coast from hollywood to washington john mccain lindsey graham barack obama hillary clinton i have uh selfies of a lot of those in in the slideshow of the show you can just see the reach of this man have it's easy if you have a lot of money you can get in the in the in the love and in the shadows of politicians and by all accounts uh, imad zabari raised a lot of money uh, about two to three million dollars just for barack obama and Hillary Clinton alone. So he's a major fundraiser. He gets around, he hobnobs. And as of two weeks ago, we thought that's where the story ended. This was a man who raised money. He brought in illegal foreign money to cover some of those donations, straw donations. He pleaded guilty. He admitted he did his wrong. He got sentenced to 12 uh, years in prison. And we thought the story ended there. Just a, another dirty fundraiser, right? But I was going through the court files, and, and there was this one unredacted section of the court files that had um, the, these four letters, CIPA, stands for Classified Intelligence Protection Act. It's a red flag that something in this case involves U.S. intelligence agencies. And so I began on the journey, because a, a fundraising case which should have nothing to do with intelligence. And over the last week, I was able to piece together what really was. Uh, Imad Zabari, going back to 2000, was a significant uh, uh, player inside the U.S. intelligence community. The Drug Enforcement Agency of Los Angeles County sheriff's department early on and then he graduates to the alphabet soup intelligence agencies here in Washington and does some really by all accounts very important uh, dangerous work for intelligence community and while he's doing that doing all those illegal fundraising things that he's now admitted to raises a lot of questions and um, we don't have all the answers yet but we are certain that Ahmad Zabari had a 20-year relationship with US intelligence even as he raised all this money and hobnobbed with all these politicians
1: So you reported, of course, that he did all of these things to help U.S. intelligence, but then he funneled foreign money to Democrats. So when you hear this, it's like almost a a bipolar story in a way. I mean, is this man a hero or a villain? I mean, really, it comes down to both, right?
8: could very well be. You know, often intelligence assets are complicated characters. They have multiple (laughs) parts to their life, and— uh, what makes the, what's, what we, Here's the big turn, here's the flip, and for the U.S. intelligence community, this is the point of angst, because by all accounts, the U.S. intelligence uh, community thought that um, uh, Ahmad Zuberi was very valuable to American security, so much so that even recently, you can see hints of the, of the intelligence community's support for this man. Uh, the former acting general counsel of the CIA, one of the top lawyers in CIA history, suddenly signed on to run an appeal for Ahmad Zuberi. He's appealing his 12-year prison sentence and his conviction. When you get the CIA's former top lawyer, you know you're connected inside the Intelligence Committee. Yeah. But what we found is that because he had given foreign money to the Democrats uh, in 2017, 2018, they, prosecutors came to him and they pressed him and said, listen, we'll give you a great deal. You'll get away with a million-dollar fine, no prison time. All you got to do is help us get Trump and acknowledge that you gave foreign money like you gave to Obama and Clinton to uh, Donald Trump's uh, inauguration committee and you get off, get out of jail card. In fact, the CIA, I think, was so confident or U.S. intelligence was so confident he was going to get off. You know, they're still dealing with him. They weren't blocking him out. There's one problem. Ahmad Zabari couldn't lawfully say that he had given foreign money to the uh, Trump campaign because he didn't. He had used his own money. He wasn't willing to go there with, you know, a statement that wasn't true. And that's when the book gets thrown at him, his failure to uh, come up with a story that made the Trump get him prosecutors happy, ultimately ends his intelligence career. And it's a pretty remarkable story when you you think about it. You you said it right. It's like a Clancy spy novel, except it really happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if he had come up with something against Trump, uh, the deep state actors would have probably let him off. I mean, it seems easy enough to estimate that. Uh, But do you think that any Democrats will ultimately get in trouble um, for the money that they did end up accepting. Was any of this knowingly foreign money?
8: It's so remarkable when you go back and look at the coverage of the case. All of the mainstream media keep calling him a Trump donor. The amount of money he raised for Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton far dwarfs Mm. what he ever raised for uh, Donald Trump. So there's been an effort to try to paint him with Trump and not to these Democratic donors. Now, what's really important about this is this is the second case in three years that the Justice Department has confirmed Barack Obama's campaign received large sums of foreign money. There's another one involving the reggae singer Praz. In these two cases together, you now think about what Joe Biden says. Joe Biden keeps saying, there never was a hint of any scandal in the Obama years. Well, first you have to overlook things like Benghazi (laughs) and Fast and Furious. But now you've got two fundraising scandals, millions of dollars involved. Yes, there were a lot of scandals in the uh, Obama years. Joe Biden needs to go back and get a reality check on this.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean, it, it sounds to me like with all of his connections and all of the favors he's done for so many, there's a chance he'll still go free.
8: We'll see. I mean, his lawyers are, are intending to fight this. And, and if the intelligence community puts his muscle behind this, you never know, right? One question I have, you see the picture on the story is a picture of, of him meeting personally with uh, Joe Biden. I have seen text messages that show that uh, Ahmad Zabari had a close relationship with Joe Biden's former body man in the White House. The next question I have, the logical question is, did he ever have any contact with Biden's family, Hunter Biden, James Biden? I think that's where this story goes next. I'm going to keep reporting on it, but I I suspect there's more to Ahmad Zabari's relationship with the Biden family than we currently know.
1: Wow, fascinating, fascinating. Well, John, you uh, keep us posted on all of this, and we sure appreciate you coming back on and uh, letting us know about this. Thank you so much.
8: Thanks, Gina. Have a great night.
1: Coming up, have you ever wondered why the left loves open borders? My doctor's orders is up next, and I'm going to get in their heads and explain it all. Don't miss it. Back in a moment. No
0: one likes to be alone at night, so i Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to Back Gina Primetime. Joe Biden says he's actually going to hold a press conference next week. He has 80 days to prepare. Here with me now to discuss our AV correspondent, Anna Perez. Anna, so good to see you. Thanks for being with us tonight.
9: Thanks for having me, Dr. Gina.
1: Anna, Jonathan Carl over at ABC News said that Biden is actually a genius for not doing press conferences. Watch this.
3: Well, it's all about turning the temperature way the heck down, uh, Megan. I mean, uh, you know, Joe Biden doesn't feel like he needs to be out there dominating the news every day. Uh, he's not out there picking uh, uh, fights with, uh, with with Republicans. He's not there picking fights with uh, with, with the press. Uh, you know, I think that the, the, the lack of press conferences uh, is because he, he, he doesn't want to be dominating the news right now. He wants to get back to a, a, a new sense of normal. Uh, where the the chaos and the crisis and the drama in the West Wing of of the White House isn't dominating the world's attention.
1: Right, so just eliminate jobs, open the borders, build a wall around the Capitol, uh, you know, just those kinds of things. That's no drama at all. Quite a spin there, huh? right I mean what a
9: genius such a genius for avoiding all of that drama it's totally not that he's a dementia patient or anything like that like not because he's incapable of doing it just because he's a genius that's what it is
1: right 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 and that's I'm sure also the same reason why the press only ever gives him softball questions like what kind of ice cream he eats and how his dogs (laughs) are doing uh, what he had for lunch whenever uh, whenever they do get around him because uh, they just want to want to quiet the drama, you think?
9: Of course, I mean, of course, it's so obvious why they're doing this. I mean, with Trump, they would never have done that. Everything was a crisis with Trump. Everything was, oh, he said this, he's such a racist, you know, this is really what he meant when he said this. It was just such a mess with him. And then we knew this would happen with Biden. I mean, are we really that surprised? It's just, you know, he's just not a drama president. He just wants everything to be healed. He wants unification for the country. You know, we just knew that this was coming, I think. And, you know, so it's really not surprising.
1: All right, Anna. Well, we're going to move on from uh, their uh, spin, and we are going to go to our meme of the day. Here we see Christopher Robin politely telling Winnie the Pooh to put some pants on before (laughs) he gets canceled. (laughs) What do you think of that? (laughs)
9: Hey, I mean, I think it's perfectly, you know, indicative of where we are with cancel culture. I mean, everything's an issue. You'll get canceled for everything. I mean, look at the Dr. Seuss situation that happened there. What are we supposed to do? Just cancel everything? Winnie the Pooh's pants? I mean, it's just, you know, you, you can't, you'll you get canceled for pretty much anything these days. So <laughs> that's pretty accurate, it, exactly. I would say.
1: It, it is pretty. And if you think about it, Winnie the Pooh is really one of the only surviving unscathed a uh, cartoon or book characters to this point for so now there's got for now. to be something uh, <laughs> exactly there's got to be something offensive about him <laughs> absolutely right. you know this this cancel culture though uh, do you think we'll ever come back from it
9: you know i do hope so and i think that you know right now people are waking up to you know this slippery slope that we've gone down you know first it was oh you know we don't like this and then we started seeing you know doctor seuss books get banned from amazon and then you know, the more, the crazier it gets, I think there's gonna become a point where people are like, wait a second, you know, this is getting out of control. And I think we're reaching that right now for sure. So I really do hope that we'll see a change. And I don't think that what's happening really reflects the views of the American people either. I mean, under Trump, we saw this major, this major counterculture, you know, with young conservatives who were completely against this type of thing. So I'm hoping to see that that movement comes back even stronger.
1: Well, I think it almost has to. I think that at some point there's Mm -hmm. got to be a reaction to all of this because uh, people get sentimental, I think, for their childhood memories. And, uh, you know, Grandma's still going to want to read the books that she was read when she was a little girl and those kinds of things. And so I I sort of think some of that's going to circle back. But, Anna, what a pleasure to have you here. I love seeing you on Live from Studio 6B and uh, on Harry's Corner there, and it's just great to have you with us tonight. (laughs) Thanks for being here.
9: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, and everybody, make sure that you do watch live from Studio 6B also. But now it's time for Doctor's Orders. Sometimes it's hard to understand the mindset of people who disagree with you. It's really hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So when trying to understand why the left in this country is so in love with the idea of illegal immigration, just imagine that all you care about is power and money then it all makes sense. It seems like it would be the opposite of common sense to throw open your borders to potential COVID infected immigrants and even crazier to invite criminals and gang members, human traffickers and drug dealers to just waltz across the border. But I'm here to help you understand. First, Democrats are in bed with big business and have been for a long time. And big business loves cheap labor. Now, if you let illegal immigrants into the country who will work for pennies on the dollar and under the table, then big corporations love that, and they will support you politically. There is nothing wrong with making money, but the Chamber of Commerce, which is the lobbying arm of big business, traditionally had supported Republicans in the past, until recently, when Donald Trump stopped the flood of cheap labor coming across the border. The Chamber of Commerce proudly worked to defeat President Trump in the last election because They, frankly, stopped caring about America and caring more about cheap labor for big business. And they will side with whatever party will help them achieve that. And it's a long tradition, frankly, that big business donates more to Democrats than they do Republicans. It's small business owners and the middle class that donate to Republicans. If you look at donations from Wall Street and K Street, they go to Democrats. Now, second reason, Democrats love playing the race card. This issue allows the left to label absolutely anyone who opposes illegal immigration as a racist. And who would want to be part of a political movement that is racist? MAGA supporters can be smeared as racist for just wanting to keep their families safe from potentially dangerous illegal immigrants. It's really a genius political move on the part of the left if you think about it. Now, third reason, illegal immigration helps Democrats hold a majority in the House of Representatives. That may sound odd because illegals can't vote at least not yet. But there is a reason why Democrats were so obsessed with counting illegal immigrants in the census. Congressional seats are based on population. So the more illegals you can pack into a state, like California, for example, the more Democrat Congress people will be sent to Washington, D.C. Now you're following the math like we do every single night here on this show. And every seat counts, especially right now, when Nancy Pelosi has less than a 10-vote majority in a chamber of 435 House members. Think about how much each seat matters. As American citizens leave Democrat-run states like California in droves, their population is dropping significantly, and they are losing seats in the House of Representatives. California and New York could lose one or two seats in the House of Representatives in the next redistricting process. And Florida and Texas will likely gain two seats because so many people are fleeing blue state socialist policies. And every congressional district also gets an electoral vote for president. So those states will also lose electoral votes in the presidential election. So if you ever wonder why some super liberal cities would call themselves sanctuary cities and attract illegal immigrants on the run from law enforcement, it's because the more people they pack in, the more congressional seats they get, and also federal funding. The money sent to each state by the federal government is also based on population, and if blue states are losing population, they will be getting less of your tax money sent to them by the feds. And of course, if Democrats are successful in granting illegal immigrants American citizenship, then they believe that they will reward Democrats by voting for them. So. If you are ever puzzled as to why the left supports something so anti-American and dangerous as illegal immigration, just close your eyes and imagine that you are about power and money and power and money alone. And suddenly, it will all make sense. That's your doctor's orders for tonight. And thank you for joining me tonight and every night. And thank you to everyone here at your new home for Real News, RAV-TV, Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B is up next with Damon and the crew. I promise she'll laugh, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.